Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out podcast. I am your host, Ryan the Goose Gosker, here with you as always. And if you're keeping track at home and you're not a math major, we're on episode 61. You're starting to get to numbers that are a little bit more difficult to find, guys, uh, to fit the episode. I'm going to go with Josh Beckett, uh, who, if you remember, was the uh, he pitched, I believe, for the Marlins. And he also pitched for the Red Sox when they broke the curse. Um, no, he came a couple years after that, I should say. I believe he was part of the comeback team against the Yankees. If not, he was definitely a part of the 2013 team. So, therefore, I just gave you three different teams he possibly could have been on. Uh, and that much, much more. But, Joel, I'll give you a bonus here. 61 is also the number of home runs Roger Maris hit in a season uh, in the uh, 1960s. So, there's a little bonus for you. I got my co-host, Jolan Bioklin, with me. Jolan, what's, what's up, going bro? on, bro? I'm going to go with uh, Bob, Robbie DeMarco, Jersey City born, Woodridge raised, played in the NFL for 15 years, graduated from St. Mary High School near Rutherford in 56, 15-year NFL vet, oldie but goodie, Bob DeMarco. Absolutely, and that fits because that fits his nickname, you said, was Bob Robbie DeMarco. And funny enough, we have our own Robbie back in the studio. Robbie Myers, join us once again. Robbie, what's up? Popper. Guys. Uh, number 61, hockey guy, Rick Nash, Jackets, Rangers, Bruins, local legend. Take them, Rick Nash. <laughs> well, again, Should have been we, our first one, honestly. We enjoyed having Robbie back. Uh, we enjoyed having him on for the first time last week and then enjoyed having him back, obviously, this week. Um, and, yeah, Joel, like I told you last week, he raises the bar for... People that walk into the studio, you better come in with a player's name ready to go for who you're naming the podcast after uh, for the given episode. So just so everybody's aware, you're, you are officially put on notice that that is the standard now here on the Air It Out podcast. Jolan, let's get it rolling, brother. What is on the docket today? So let's start with the NFL. Obviously, Hard Knocks, HBO, going with the Arizona Cardinals. There's news around the Cardinals, so it's going to be a fun offseason, if you will. Kyler Murray. He says he's waiting for a new contract until he steps foot on the field. This might be a holdout situation, similar similar to Le'Veon Bell with the Steelers a while ago. Do you pay Kyler Murray for this Cardinals team? Goose, we'll start with you. I don't. I don't yet. Um, and that's going to be hard knocks. That's going to be the in-season hard knocks, Joel. Um, so, you know, that'll be that'll be interesting. And the best part about that is, is the Cardinals seemingly every single year fall apart at some point in the season, and now we're going to get to see that very that very boiling point. Cliff Kingsbury's record in the second half of the seasons is atrocious. It looks like a third grader's record in Madden on Xbox. It's just not good. And so we're going to find out what makes the team tick and where the destruction comes from. But to answer your question, no, I'm not paying Kyler Murray. I understand from a business perspective how the market moves. This is supposedly the right time or whatever, all that garbage. I'm not paying Kyler Murray. You got to prove it to me. Go win me a playoff game first. Rob, what do you think? You paying Kyler? No, I'm on the same page. Uh, I thought the Cardinals fell apart last season. Um, had they looked awesome? They had all the weapons. They went out. They traded for Ertz. They tried to surround them, um, and then they went in and they played the Rams in the playoffs. If I'm not mistaken, and didn't exactly go in their favor. So uh, I don't think Kyler Murray um, has proven that yet. I think obviously he has a lot of natural ability. His ability to get out of the pocket. He's got a live arm. Break a defense down, no doubt. Um, but he's got to be able to do it consistently. You got to be able to do it in crunch time. And I don't think that he's done either of that. Um, so if I am sitting in a managerial seat out in Arizona, 
Kyler Murray, you are not getting that contract extension. Must be nice too to sit out in one of those seats. It's nice and warm out there. Here's in the my bigger next life. question: <laughs> Do the Cardinals have the leverage we think they have? They obviously took Josh Rosen, and then all of a sudden they go back the next year, take Kyler Murray with the first overall pick. Do you think wasting those two number ones on quarterbacks kind of gives Kyler the leverage here? Um. I don't because I think it actually shows the organization will pull the trigger if they find or see something that they deem better. Uh, and, you know, again, Kyler Murray, like Robbie said, has got to show up when it matters the most. We have lost that in a lot of sports. We're watching guys get paid who haven't won a playoff game, haven't won a playoff series, haven't done anything when it matters the most. And it's it's a shame. I actually think if I'm if I'm the Cardinals – I hold ground here because, again, we're seeing the market continue to and continue to rise. It's only going to go up, and it's just not – I just don't think if you're the Cardinals you want to pay it yet. You had mentioned something going on with uh, Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens right now, regarding OTAs. What was the clip you sent me? Yeah, so it was really funny. I mean, uh, this whole OTAs thing, and we're all talking about workouts and shorts and stuff like that, but uh, Lamar Jackson isn't at voluntary OTAs right now. Uh, Jim Harbaugh – or John Harbaugh, excuse me. Uh, doesn't seem to have a problem with it and kind of deflected the media to talk to Lamar about it. Chris Sims kind of uh, went on and said Lamar has been on the record saying he wants to win Super Bowls. He wants to be like Tom Brady. He wants to be like the greats. And Chris Sims is like Tom Brady wasn't missing OTAs in his fourth year uh, in the league. And even Tom Brady at some point was missing them. The Patriots weren't playing well or weren't reaching Super Bowls. And he went back to OTAs. And so, you know, I... And Lamar responded to him and said, basically, if this was any other quarterback, you guys wouldn't be making a huge deal about it. And it just doesn't – it's just not right. We, we made a big deal when Kyler Murray didn't show up to Cardinals camp. Uh, I'd make a big deal if Daniel Jones didn't show up to Giants training camp. Like, Lord knows he needs it. I don't put everything into these OTAs, but, again, like I don't think it's hard to be there. I mean, I think it's your job. Like, they, your job is saying be there. You know, it's voluntary, but, like, everybody kind of knows every vet. Ask any veteran in the league. And I go to one of my favorite veterans who's actually on a rival team, and that's Jason Kelsey. Voluntary means mandatory to a lot of those guys. And I think as a leader on the team, if you proclaim yourself a leader of the team, you got to be there at OTAs. Rob, what do you take on OTAs? you think Lamar Jackson should be at camp right now with the Ravens? He's got to be there. He's, he is the franchise. He is it. I mean, you're the quarterback. You're the star. Every all eyes are on you. You set the precedent, right? It starts from the top. So, if they get the idea, you know, guys that are coming in or guys that are trying to establish themselves, whatever it is, if they see the quarterback, they see the star missing. I think it gives the wrong message. Again, you know, I know there's things that go on in life. We look at Makai Becton. He's not at OTAs right now. He just had a, a son or a child. There's excuses. I think I think Lamar's got to be there. He's got to be there. You know, I think again, you're the quarterback. You set the tone. I know it's probably old school and. Um, I know I've talked to people about this, and they say, well, what's the difference? You're not going to win or lose a game coming in in May. Well, you're, maybe you're right. You're probably right, right? But at the same time, that's how you build that chemistry. You get in there. You're putting the work in, and I think it's about optics. I think optics are important, and it shows the fans and the teams that you're committed to what the process is and trying to get there. And seriously, what else are you doing? You've had off since January? Yeah. Right? Like, this is your job. So you've had how many months to do what you want to do, to work out, vacation, Go where you want to go, you know. I mean, and it's not. It's again, it's not a grueling. You're not in the heat. It's not hot out right now. Like, and being a quarterback, I can say this: 
it's a pretty nice setup when you get to practice. You either hand it off or throw the ball, <laughs> get a nice little splash on the sideline. It, it's it's pretty nice. So again, I, I don't think it's anything over the top that he shouldn't be there. Do you think now, with Lamar Jackson's absence, that the Ravens are a step back compared to the rest of the division? I I don't know about step back because again, you're looking at that division and the Steelers have. Mitch Trubisky, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and Kenny Two Gloves, who nobody nobody knows if any of those guys can, are going to be stars in this league. I would bet probably heavy money on that they're not going to be. You've got Cincinnati who's coming off a Super Bowl year. You've got to remember a lot of games they played this year were tight games that may or may not go uh, their way. And obviously we'll talk about this a little bit more when we talk win totals, but you also have Cleveland with the dysfunction around the quarterback position in not knowing how or when Deshaun Watson's going to be available. I think I think the Ravens are fine. I think they'll be okay Like come, come the season. But Robbie's right. Optics mean a lot in sports. And, again, that's an argument. You can argue whether they should or not, but they do. And that's just the reality of the situation. Do we think this is an, a, a proclamation from Lamar to the Ravens? Hey, you just traded my guy away in Hollywood Brown. This is me putting my foot down. Or do you think it's just natural he's just missing OTAs? Yeah, I don't know about it. It's as much as like the Hollywood Brown. I think it's just guy missing OTAs. He probably feels like he's established again. He thinks he doesn't have to be there, trying to enjoy some time off. But um, I don't think this affects the Ravens, to be honest with you. I mean, Lamar still week one is going to have some freakish plays that you're just not going to stop. He's, in, you know, I mean, he's an MVP caliber player. So, again, I don't think games are won or lost here. Um, you know, And for him to say it's just because him, if Zach Wilson missed – OTAs for Jets practice, it'd be a story, right? So I think anytime, you know, Matt Stafford in LA, it'd be a story, right? Dak misses, it's a story. So when you are a quarterback and you're established in this league, you are going to get eyes and criticisms and comments throughout. So he has to be able to handle that. And I'm sure he has, and he has been throughout his college career and to here and everything else. But, you know, it's, it's, I think it's water under the bridge at, at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, I have to agree. And, I mean, if he said it's it's just because I'm a quarterback, maybe he's got a different argument. You know, if this is an offensive lineman. You know, Mekhi Beckton was a little bit talking point, but more that was more local media. Mm-hmm. I think that was talking about it. It wasn't a big, you know, national thing. So, you know, if you're not a quarterback and you're not a wide receiver, these things typically don't get out to the national media. Um, mm-hmm. They're obviously there's signs that you want a new contract, but signs are great if the organization doesn't really agree with you. And Lamar's had a chance to negotiate his contract. I'm sure he's also had talks, you know, about getting other weapons for him and stuff like that. And, you know, if the organization snubbed their head, like, that's that's a Lamar decision for, you know, we'll see that down the line because he just won't sign his contract. You know, he won't sign his big deal, get it from somewhere else, or get franchised, whatever. But that's going to play itself out. And, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll be okay. They'll be all right. And before we go down the line to Lamar's contract, we do have the over-under win totals to play out this year in the AFC North. I believe we've already done the AFC East and uh, NFC East, That correct? is correct, yes. Now we move on to the North. We'll start in the NFC North, fitting for the Lamar Jackson talk we had. We'll start with the Ravens at 9.5. Last year they were at 8. Ryan, we'll start with you. Yeah, I'm going over here. Uh, I think they win double-digit games. I think they get their entire secondary back. No Marquise Brown. Weak at receiver, if you will. Yeah, but, I mean, you're – yeah, I mean, so you're banking on Rashad Bateman uh, in his second year being a much better player than he was last year, healthier than he was last year. What's the running back room look like? I can't even name any of they them. Tore, they Gus all Edwards? tore their ACLs last year. Yep. I, so they're all coming back. I think that run game is going to be as effective as it was, and he'll be fine with Mark and- throwing Mark Andrews the ball 9,000 times a game. 
I think the Ravens are going to be all right, and I think they're going to be what we come to expect every single year, which is a tough-nosed team that's going to find a way to be within three points at the end of the game or tied, and they have the best kicker in the league, most valuable kicker in the league, and he's going to find a way to either tie it or win it for him. So I expect the Ravens to hit double digits this year, and I don't think that's too much... I don't think that's too much for him. I don't. It's it's the John Harbaugh culture at this point. Rob, Vegas had him, 9.5. What do you think? Vegas, yeah, right? I think I'm going to go with the over here. I'm looking at their first three games. They have the Jets, Dolphins, and Pats, and could very easily start 3-0 there. I mean, that's three wins. They, then they play the Giants in a couple of weeks. That could be four. That's a win. Yeah, uh, I mean, they play the Saints. They play the Panthers. They play the Jaguars three weeks in a row, followed by the Broncos. Like, I think outside their division, they're going to get a lot of wins anyway. You have Lamar Jackson, again, like I said, MVP caliber player there. Um, they have a great defense. I feel like every time you talk about the Ravens, right, it's it's always a great defense. It's hard-nosed. they got a lot of studs out there. It's going to be hard to score points on them. Um, I just think they know how to win. They're built to win. I love this division. I mean, it's like it feels like every time you watch a game within this division, it's a war. Um, but I definitely think that the Ravens um, – Definitely, they topped the over. And that's the thing. You forget last year they were a game, they were a Week 17 win against their biggest rivals away from being in the postseason with their entire running back room being hurt and literally their entire secondary being hurt. Not to mention their draft. Great draft. All those draft. guys are back. They had a great draft. That's every year. They draft They dress, They draft very They draft well. so well. And, I mean, you look at the – I mean, they got Linderbaum, right? Like, just Kyle to, Hamilton. To help. Yeah, I mean, it's like just, just two studs. Again, two top – arguably top players in a draft that – Slipped just because I think of positional and other needs that were drafted beforehand. Definitely the top players at their respective positions, center and safety. Yeah, I mean, you just got to, again, I, I equate it to when the Jets got mangled. Like, you got a guy in Linderbaum who I think is going to be in the middle of that offensive line for the next 10 to 15 years, and you're not worried about him. Right. You're not worried about him at all. I do love the drama, though, that draft night when everybody thought Lamar was pissed about Linderbaum coming. <laughs> yeah. It was really about Hollywood, but uh, it's always fun, right? Yeah. I mean, when you're Lamar, you you should be looking for a weapon, not getting them out well, of town. And let's so. not forget the Ravens have this going. They're making a documentary about the 2000 Ravens team, uh, which is the top three defense of all time. Shut out, they're not shut out, but they beat the Giants pretty bad uh, in the 2000 Super Bowl. So that's sure to be something to keep your eyes out for. Uh, that'll be a great documentary. Yeah, watch out for Ray Lewis too. He's yeah, out in the streets. <laughs> we move on right now to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who this is unprecedented times for the Steelers. Because as long as I can remember football, they've been a winning team. They've always been above 500. Mike Tomlin, especially, has never had a losing career Literally never. in the NFL. So their win total, Vegas has them at 7.5. They're betting against Tomlin. Do you? Oh, I. Think of the roster. No offensive line. Najee's the only guy. I hate, I hate to go against the Steelers. My my grandparents grew up in Pittsburgh. They are they're, you know, diehard Steelers fans. They. Uh, it's hard for me to go against them just because of, again, like you said, Mike Tomlin hasn't had a losing record. But so we've good. seen it. A quarterback in this league matters. It matters. And within this division, you have to be able to throw the ball to beat teams. And that's how you win games in the NFL. It's a passing league. Um, so, you know, you're, you can't ride Najee Harris with 30 carries a game in the NFL. You can if you got him in fantasy. You, yeah, you can if you got him in fantasy. <laughs> but um, I don't think that there's a quarterback on the roster where – um, opposing defenses are staying awake at night, and uh, I don't think that when it's crunch time, um, they're they're there to win you that game. I'm not sure um, they have that ability to, you know. So uh, it kills me to say it, but I just think the under is is, is realistic here. Um, I think they have some close games, but again, not having Big Ben to 
it's been in that situation to pull that out. Um, I just I don't see that they have enough this year. They'll be back. They're the Steelers, but not this year. The defense is definitely there still. Minka, a couple guys on that side, but their offense is putrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and it's funny. This is you know this is the comparison here. You have the Ravens and you have the Steelers, and you have you remember last week or a week and a half ago, two weeks at this point, uh, when Patrick Beverly went on television and was trashing Chris Chris Paul. What did he say? Chris Paul's a guy I go to bed at 8 o'clock the night before the game. When I play Steph Curry, I'm up all night dreaming about it. It's just, The Ravens are the Steph Curry, and CP3 is the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're just not staying awake for Mitch Trubisky. You're not staying awake for Kenny Two Gloves. Mason, the Rudolph Red-Nosed Reindeer, you're not staying up for him. So, you know, I think it's going to be a developmental year. Pickett will probably come in within the first eight games, I'm sure. The city will be cheering for him. And you're right. I, I'm with Robbie on this. Like, you're going to get close games because that's, you know, just the Steeler way. They still have a really good defense. But I, I, I just don't think they're going to be able to pull pull much out of that team this year. So this is another good question before we move on, of course. Does defense matter anymore? Or is this an offensive firepower it, league? It matters when it's paired with a good offense. Like, it, you know what? It, like, like, the Bills could have used the defense last year. Yeah, and so they paid $120 million for, you know, 13 seconds. So, um yeah, I mean your defense. Your defense definitely matters uh, when Steelers you get to have bigger a good one. games. But yeah, but you have your offense has to be able to compete as well, and they're just not. They're just not there. Yeah, I mean if the Steelers give up fourteen points, uh, you know, are the are the Steelers going to be able to score at more than four? And I'm not even, you know like right. no, yeah, you know, no, like I mean they're an NFL team, but it's listen. I've watched the Jets do it for how many years? I mean we've seen the Giants do like, it the past four years, right? Like, okay, so your defense holds them. It's a close game. You're you know you're giving up ten or thirteen. And I mean, you can't even get within field goal range. Like, so I think defense matters for sure. Like, again, if you're going up against a good defensive team, when you get into those games, like, you're not always going to be able to score, right? You're not going to be able to score every time as an offense. So you have to count on your defense to be able to get stops. And good defense can turn into offense, right? Interceptions, fumble recoveries, strip sacks, all those things. So a good defense is not just about getting off the field. It's about putting the offense in good spots, and the defense can score. And, the, again, the third aspect that nobody remembers, um, special teams is big, too. you got to be able to make kicks, extra points. Now we've seen it become a thing, right, moving it back. Kick returns. Um, Field you know, position. Punt, yeah, uh, it's so really, it, it, that's why, again, I mean, it's cliche, but the, all three aspects of those play hand-in-hand. Hand. But, yes, you absolutely need it, again, you need a tough defense to keep you in a game. And this is why, as a Giant fan, this is like we're talking levels now, right? Like you've got defenses that, yeah, you've got to get those interceptions. You got to get the Giants. You you got to get off the field on third down. They've yet to patch that threshold. Mm-hmm. They are atrocious on third down. I believe they were. I, I I'm pretty sure in the last couple of years they've been historically bad on it's third the line. That's always been the D line. The pressure you could get how dude, fast they you get off the ball. Ba- they don't have the right linebackers in place. Dude, they don't have the right people in place. Okay, but that. I just want to make that point that we there are levels to this ish, and the Giants are not past level one yet. We'll move forward to a team that kind of dispelled the whole defensive myth. The uh, Cincinnati Bengals, obviously high high powered offense, all the way to the Super Bowl last year. Joe Burrow and the boys are set at nine and a half. That's actually half a win under from ten last year. Ryan, we'll start with you. Cincinnati Bengals nine and a half wins. Yeah, that. <laughs> That's tough, and I, I mean, listen, I think their defense deserves more credit uh, than they got. They they had some of those timely interceptions. They had some of those timely fumbles. They had some of those timely get-off. Their secondary did downs. play well in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And, Not uh, Eli Apple. Tra- yeah, no, I hate that guy. Um, 
Trey Hendrickson up front, absolute stud. Anybody in any sport that just doesn't wear gloves is absolutely a fan of mine. Same thing in baseball, guys without batting gloves. And so I think, I don't know, I think this team won a lot of close games last year, Jolan, and we've seen, I've seen it time and time again in every sport you ever watch. Those games, one year they go your way, the next year they flip. I'm going to go under, but I think, I'm not going like, I'm not going under to six. Like I'm going under to probably nine. Like I think they get to eight or nine wins. They'll be fine. They'll be right there competing, I think, and uh, they, they should be in the mix for the AFC North title this year. AFC title in general? Um, mm, Step back here? We'll see. I, I, I mean, they got there's so many there's so many good teams in the AFC. There's so many good quarterbacks in the AFC. I would I would have to say yes. I would not put them as the favorite to come out of the AFC. Rob, we go to you. Bengals nine and a half. Last year was ten. Um, so I do think they're under. Um, you know, I I like what they did. I know they made it to the Super Bowl. I think. It's hard to replicate that. I think again, the division that they play in the AFC North is just—I mean, it's a meat grinder. Like any any oh, yeah. game you roll in, there's no guarantee, right? Like it's not like when the Patriots show up and you know, are they going to beat the Jets by thirty or forty that game, right? Like you can already mark off that they're going to win the division. This this is a legitimate division of football. It's hard nosed, so I don't think you can go in and say, hey, they're, you know, they're going to beat the Browns twice or they're going to beat the Steelers twice. It's a it's rivalries for a reason, right? So. Um, I don't know if the offense clicks the same. Uh, thank God the Jets got um, Uzama over there with us now. Um, but like you said, I I don't know if they win that division. I really don't know if they do. Um, I kind of like the Ravens coming out of there. And I think the AFC is just so strong um, that, I, I don't know. I think they sneak in with a wild card, maybe. I think they're in contention, but uh, I don't. I think they take a step back of, after what we saw last year. Which is wild, too. And I think we see defenses approach. They have to approach the Bengals a little bit better. I, I would... I would dare Tyler Boyd to go have a 2,000-yard season. If I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm sitting there saying, the one person that can't beat me in any game ever is Jamar Chase. He cannot beat me. Let I, you know, Not let, but force Tyler Boyd to be a 200-yard-a-game receiver. T. Higgins get 100 himself. And force mm-hmm. T. Higgins, yeah, but force those guys to be great. You can live with one-on-one. that. You can live with that. I right? can't live with Jamar Chase getting loose every, every like at least three or four times a game. And he... That's the one thing about Jamar Chase is he's a finisher and he's a home run hitter. And he finishes those plays, those big catches. He stays on his feet and he ends up in the end zone. And that's just, it's demoralizing. Uh, it sucks if you go up against him in fantasy. And that's just, you defenses, I would imagine this year, have to approach them differently. And I think they will. Let's move up all the way to Cleveland, Ohio here. Oh. Now, regardless of how you feel about Deshaun Watson and the Browns, he's a pretty Darn good football player, if you will. Obviously, improves the Browns tremendously over what Baker Mayfield was giving them. Um, Vegas actually doesn't have a win total on the Browns yet, pending all the Deshaun Watson uh, litigation stuff. But I'm going to go out on a limb and put them at 11. It is push range, but 11 is a good number for them. Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney comes back on a one-year deal. A team still as good as ever. Now with Watson, one of the top-tier quarterbacks in this league. Ryan, the Browns, 11. Yeah, you know, uh, sports, and when you come up and you love sports and, you know, you kind of do what we're doing, you kind of develop certain rules and about yourself and your opinions and your takes and where you're willing to bet your money and where you're not willing to bet your money. Like, I have learned I'm not willing to put my money against Tom Brady anymore, ever. 
It I'm took me a lot of money to get there. I'm not willing. I'm not willing to put my money against Nick Saban. Like there are there are little things. I'm not going to put my money and trust the Cleveland Browns. It's d- until they show me that that franchise isn't. Amari Cooper's in town. That's gr- I. Th- I think Amari Cooper is one of the softest receivers we have in this league. I. I truly do. Not a fan of him when he pulled himself out on third down in Philly a couple years ago. Not a fan. Vendetta, um, you remember that? Absolutely, damn straight. And they, it wasn't even my team they were playing. So I, I think they're under. I think they're under that eleven. Um, I, I don't know, man. They're, they're just. It's hard. They're just Cleveland. Like, but, and, and I know they've, I know they've got a lot of talent on that roster. Let's they reiterate. Do. They do, what, and they've got a great offensive line, which you know I love. Let's exactly. Let's reiterate what just Cleveland has been. They've been an eleven-win ball club almost the past what three or four years now. They've been around that range, 10, 11 wins. With Baker Mayfield, they have the best running back duo, if you will, in the NFL, and one of the best O lines. I think you're underplaying them here a little bit. Um, and you know what, Jolan, I'm I'm okay to do that. I feel more than comfortable doing that. Uh, is I think the Browns will Brown, and at a certain point, it's just not going to work. God bless Miles Garrett, but I just I don't see it. Rob, maybe I'll sell you on this. The quarterback matters. You said it yourself. 11? Yeah, I think you make a lot of great points, and quarterback matters, and the question is, who's the quarterback? Who's the quarterback, and when does Deshaun Watson get to come in there? And what's your best ability? Yeah, Availability. So I think that I think that there's a reason they don't have a win total set for them this, this, uh, this so far. And um, Again, you said that with, with Baker. Um, they were you know a team that was at least kind of respectable within the league. Baker's not going to be here. So uh, is Jacoby Brissett or Josh Dobbs, who I'm looking at on the roster right now. Josh Dobbs, a rocket scientist. Yeah. Are, are we gonna Are we gonna entrust them? Because in my opinion, the Steelers' quarterback room is better than them. Without Watson. Correct. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Correct. So uh, I think the Browns are under um, again, and, and we're not accounting for injuries along the way or changes or when teams get better, teams get worse. Like I was looking at some of the. The games that they're playing, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't see it. I, I think the Browns have a pretty tough schedule. Um, and, again, any of those division games are toss-up. So uh, the Browns, like like you know, like Ryan said, I I don't think I'm really fully ready to, to attach my wagon to the Browns here. Not yet. That could end up in a, in a burning, crashing. That wraps up. That wraps up the AFC North over-unders. But, Ryan, we wanted to get into a little bit of uh, New York Giants football action. Oh, we got some red shirts coming out of camp. So what's the report going yeah, on? Yeah, so, well, first of all, hold on. We'll give this shout-out real quick. It's Daniel Jones' birthday today. Um, so happy it's birthday. It's the last one I wish you in a Giants jersey. There you go. You won't see you next year. Well said. Um, Guy's a millionaire. Pack Gi- him up. Giants wide receivers, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony show up. And uh, they show up in red jerseys to OTAs. Red jerseys mean you're hurt. I know red jerseys when we were kids used to mean you were quarterback. the quarterback. Yep. Um, but now the red jerseys at OTAs mean you're hurt. I mean they can't touch them. Uh, and I just we were talking about it in prep, and I just sit here and I'm like, how do you walk into training camp with an injury if you're not coming off an ACL or an Achilles or shoulder surgery? How is it that you are coming into OTAs with an injury? The Giants' season's been over since October. Like, let's be real about that. Kadarius Tony was hurt 90% of the season anyway. Working on Warrior 3. So, and, and he just had orthoscopic knee surgery, I think. What What is he doing having that now? Why? Like, I don't I don't understand it. What's Kenny Galladay's injury? You know, what's going on with him? I just, these, these guys, and it goes back to the Lamar discussion we were having before. Like, 
It's your job. Like, what are you doing showing up to work not healthy? The job. It's not a full-blown, able to do your job. It's a full-blown career. This, right, you it's can your make career. this. Yeah, you can make this a, take your generations of wealth throughout your families for I don't years. Get it. Like, I don't get it. But this is this is a type of activity, and we've talked about this that you get from losing organizations. It's just how it is. And you again, the good organizations in this league, you don't hear squat coming from their OTAs at all. Do you think Brian the Ball, Dave's, if you will, Dave's. I hate that. I'm going on record and say I hate that. Don't worry, if the Giants win week two, he's uh, going to call him Dave's for the rest of the year. Do you think Brian the Ball is that guy to take Daniel Jones and these Giants over that losing culture hump like he kind of did with the Bills and Josh Allen and company? That's a that's a great that's a great question. Well, you also got to remember too, he's the offensive coordinator there in Buffalo. So yeah, I was just going to say, I, I think yeah, the culture starts with the head coach and, yep. and management. But I think Dable's seen what that culture's like. I mean, he's yeah. obviously the OC and he plays an important role in that. I th- I actually love I love what Dable's going to do with Jones. In my opinion, I think that he has a lot of similarities to Josh Allen in terms of his frame. His ability to run, he's a big, strong guy. <laughs> there are no similarities, in my opinion. I just, no, I understand I just think, I mean, well, comparison. again, you're judging him on a Jason Garrett, Joe Judge offense, where they ran QB sneaks on third and nine. Like, and Jones did do well in uh, Pat you know, Shermer's offense. So, like, I, th- I think, I mean, you know, Daniel Jones just doesn't doesn't just get here because, you know, he's here, right? Like, like you don't just end up in the NFL. Um, I think he has talent. I think he's going to be – I really, honestly – and I know Giants fans are tired of hearing it. Um, and – Trust me, I went through my fair share of this stages with the Jets quarterback. Uh, I like Jones. I really think that he ends up being a, a solid contributor. I think he has a good year this year, and I think that it's fixed. I honestly think that they start to see a little bit of a shift where it's not as acceptable. But it takes time for that culture to get in. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they're gonna, it's gonna be time for Dale to set his expectations, and guys are either gonna buy in or out. And that's what this year is gonna be used to see is who's committed to this process, who's not, and if Tony's not committed. Thanks for it. We, you weren't our draft pick. We'll see you later. Let's get guys in here that we want to be here. And GMs and coaches notoriously grab their guy at quarterback. So it's one thing to see. Flip side of that coin, does Josh Allen see the same success he's seen without the ball? Yeah, Ken Dorsey just, now, offensive coach, offensive coordinator. Quick note on the Giants. That's, that's the beauty of the situation is you're playing with house money and the organization, you're not going to get fired because it's not your guy. So if it doesn't work, you know, you go get one of these studs that they're calling for in 2023, you do your thing and you go from there, then that's the guy you're married to, uh, so on and so forth. Um, I think the leap we saw to Josh Allen last year, I think Ken Dorsey uh, is a very intelligent coach. I think he, I think Josh Allen will be fine. Is it going to be as explosive as it was with Dable? I don't think so. But, I mean, I think Josh Allen's taking the steps to, at this point in his career, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, I want to see him do it. You know, this year, obviously without Dable, but I think they're more than capable of doing it. They've got the weapons around it. They've got a competent running back that you're gonna like, at least know his name. So that's good. Uh, usually, the Bills' running back. I don't even know if they've had one on the roster the last couple of years. But yeah, I mean, they're they're gonna use now James Cook. Yeah, Dalvin yeah, Cook's brother. brother. You know, the guy that doesn't smile at the rookie symposium. Congrats, welcome to the NFL. Don't smile, thanks. Um, I love you know, his stud. So I don't think the Bills, you know, I don't know if they're as explosive, but they're still, I still think they're a top offense in this league. Does Josh Allen take a step back without uh, the ball? No, I, I think I think Ryan brought up everything that I would have said if I had I went first. I think he just brings up so many great points, right? Like, he's Josh Allen. He still has Stephon Diggs. He's got a great offense around him. He's got a great defense. Um, he's got Gabriel around him. Yeah, now. I mean he's got he's got he's got dudes around him, right? Four I mean, touchdown game last year. Crowder, did yeah. they get Crowder? Yes, they, they a, did. They got a yeah. slot. I knew they got a slot receiver. Yeah, Jameson Crowder. Yeah. 
Yeah. Real so good. I, I think there's always an adjustment coming in, with maybe with a little bit of different system or terminology. I think you see that whenever, right? Um, but I think by mid-season and definitely towards the end, they'll be clicking like they were last year. So, which is um, when you want to be clicking. Definitely. So I think that I think people are going to jump to conclusions early on and say, oh, you know, Dable was a success. This, that. I, I'm not sure. I'm ready to, to to have that yet. But one thing that I want to jump back on with the Giants and Jones. Um, I actually think that Daniel Jones, I'm going to catch a lot of heat for this probably. Uh, I'm not sold on any Ohio State quarterback that comes out. I think C.J. Stroud's got a lot of talent. Tell me the last Ohio State quarterback that hasn't done well in that system and then that has done well in the NFL, okay? And then I want you to tell me the last Alabama quarterback that hasn't had success in that and then has come out and had a great or a sufficient NFL career. And it could be Tua. It could be. Uh, I mean, Mac Jones was a Pro Bowler last year. I Joe think that's Burrow a system based. O- Joe Burrow out of Ohio State. That's all Joe Brady. No, and Joe, Joe, Joe Burrow. That's Joe Burrow's LSU. Nope, they don't get to claim that. Stop. I'm not not even going to entertain that, Joel. Not no, even but to no. It. You make fair points. There isn't a lot of success coming out of those schools, especially at the quarterback spot. I mean, flip side of the coin, there's a ton of success, just not at the quarterback spot. But yeah, as you could tell, obviously the Giants are. Have a long ways to go, and we have a yeah, lot to talk about. I don't know, about. man. I was a guy that I would have traded the house for Russell Wilson. Well, like I, like I trust veteran guys more than I would trust. We a didn't guy have a house to trade. We were just building the foundation. I also, oh, I I also feel like the Broncos are a little bit more in win now mode oh, yeah. with, with the guys they have. Absolutely. So that ma- that move made sense, and I don't think again. I think when you get a new regime that comes in, um, as great of a quarterback and a person Russell Wilson is, I don't think Dable wants to start with a guy who's been that established in the league. I think they want to get their own guy, and I think yeah. I think they're really doing the right thing by. Saying, hey, is Daniel Jones a guy or not? Like, he probably has had a fair shake. Is this our guy? Can we use him? If not, let's let's attach our name to our guy, just like Joe Douglas did, like I mentioned on the last one. Like, Joe Douglas, they went with Sam, they saw what they saw, and they went with a guy who they are willing to attach their career to, and I think that's the right move. And all these GMs and coaches get married to a quarterback, if you will. Well, and hopefully Jones' tight end could catch the ball this year. That would be nice. I mean, the Giants' uh, out of here, Evan. top management does have some leeway, though, with Jones in his uh, prove-it year. But we'll move on from speculation to something that's solidified and set in stone. The Warriors are now in their sixth finals out of eight years, out you always say? eight years, yeah. So the Warriors cement their legacy, obviously. And then Celtics and Heat have one more game, or two more games, rather, game three, six tonight. Three, two, yeah. And then we'll see who the Warriors are playing. But let's start and talk specifically on the Warriors' What's this mean for them, Steph Curry, Draymond, Clay, the whole bunch, to make it back to the finals after who knows how many years of injury? Two, three years of injuries? Two, three years, yeah. I mean, they enter the stratosphere of teams that we've seen just be dynasties. And, you know, you have you had the you had the LeBron James dynasty where he went to nine finals in ten years. You had the Spurs who seemingly every other year were in the finals. You had the Bulls, who were the last team to go to six in eight years. You missed Lakers. Uh, the Lakers, they won. You know, they won three straight. Um, you know, and that, and I believe they lost in two thousand four, right? Yes. The Lakers did, or two thousand five, whichever one it was. So the yeah, they they just, in my opinion, that's where it starts to put them, uh, is in those echelon of guys. And I'm interested to see, like, we know what happened to the Bulls dynasty after eight years. I want to see. Can they continue to sustain it? And those young guys, the way they're playing and the way Steve Kerr's system fits and it's such, we talked about it, would love to play for Coach Kerr uh, just because I would average 10 points a game, which would be fantastic. I want, they, I believe this has the, the potential to, to start you know expanding itself 
and the longevity of it's going to be fantastic. I mean, you talk about Steph Curry, he just continues to climb up the all-time ranks. Clay Thompson, again, like Clay is just a baller. And I feel like the Mavericks are kind of lucky they didn't get the game six because Clay probably would have dropped 75 on their head because game six Clay is the greatest player ever. Uh, and then Draymond Green continues to find himself in the in the ranks. We're kind of talking about this. I mean, he's got to be the modern day Dennis Rodman. I, I think that's he's not going to give you 20 rebounds. That's not. But he he's that guy that does all the dirty work that nobody talks about. He talks the most trash out of anybody. Uh, he's got the longest leash from the officials in NBA history that I've ever seen. But again, it's a guy you love to have on your team and you hate to play against him. And he's always barking. And you just love it. And they're, they're a great bunch. And like I said, those young guys complement it so well. So they are entering the stratosphere of those dynasties that we've seen uh, throughout NBA history. Rob, are you sold on this? The whole Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green uh, dynasty, if you will. Yeah, I think the coolest thing about this is all three guys were drafted by the Warriors, which I think makes it a little bit more special. You know, people are going to talk about when KD came to join them and he joined a 73-win team. And to me, that speaks more about KD than it does to Steph, Clay, and Draymond. They've been here. They love the Warriors. They're going to retire as Warriors. They did it before Kevin Durant. They did it after. So I don't think that you can really knock, uh, knock what they've done. You know, I mean, um, congrats to them on being NBA champions this year. Uh, I know we haven't even gotten to the finals yet, but I'm willing That's to. So I'm willing to. Uh, I'm willing to again hitch my wagon to that one. Um, but no, I, I think they are must-watch basketball. Yeah. They're must-watch, and I don't think that in the NBA, the Lakers and Celtics rivalry is the same as it once was. Right? Like, I don't really think that there's a, a rivalry where you sit down in the NBA on a Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday night in February or January, and you're like, I, I have to see this game. I have to do it. The Warriors could be playing the Pelicans on a 10:30 on Tuesday, and you just want to see how many threes they could make. Right? How fast, you know, how fast pace are they going to play? Like, to me, that's been the most impressive part is that they really, I feel like they've changed the game on all levels. You know, it's it's really been cool to watch and kind of grow up watching as as this has transpired. Um, I think that if if you say that you're a Warriors fan now, everyone's going to call you a bandwagoner and you're going to catch a lot of heat. Um, but again. Personally, to me, I think the brand of basketball that they play is fun. They share the ball. I hate when guys that are stars, they dribble out the clock and then they either throw up a contested three or they kick it to somebody and they have to throw up a contested three. Like, It's just really nice basketball to watch, um, and I think it's exciting. And I, I certainly think that when you make it to six out of eight anything in a professional sport or any level, really, it shows some kind of sustainability in that, um, yeah, you, you belong up there with, with the talks of the greats. And I think that... Um, Again, within our age range, this is the this is the team to talk about. This is really the team to talk about, and I'm curious to see who's next because these guys are, are kind of up there in their age. You know, this is, like I said in the last one, really kind of I think their last couple of pushes to, to get to a, to that dynasty level. Yeah, and it's got to be right. Like we we talk about all the time, like what what new things are coming up, and and what has taken precedent over the last few years is is gambling. The idea of gambling. They have to be one of the most fun teams to bet on ever. Because you are always betting the over. I know Barstool jokes that it's life's too short to bet the under. You would always bet the over with the Warriors. I, I bet would have on to last imagine. week, last Friday. We were at the bar. I bet on the Warriors, and then 30 minutes later, I was celebrating a victory. Look at that. And, and, and you know, you got to bet the over. They were down you know, 14. And, Good wins. And, and, and we're out. And they are <laughs> they are consistent. And you talk about it, and you know about it. There's a documentary about it. Their third quarter is just the most unfair quarter 
we have in sports. Like we we've got clutch, you know, you've got clutch, you know, quarterbacks, you've got clutch shooters, you've got clutch, you know, sports, clutch golfers. No. <laughs> Dude, their third quarter is the most lock thing we have on planet Earth. They are utterly ridiculous in the third quarter. You can't touch them, and you better be up by 20 at halftime. Where does this put Steve Kerr on the NBA coaches rank all time? Because going up. at first it was all, this is just a team he had drafted. Now you see kind of what he's put together, surviving the seasons without Clay. What's this say for Steve Kerr? Well, that's that's the balance, right? It's like, and if you really, like if you believe that, you, you want to, you have to wait until these guys leave in order to see you know, realistically speaking, what he is. The Greg Pop method. However, if we talk about greatest coaches of all time, find me a coach that didn't have one of the top ten greatest players ever. Phil Jackson had MJ, and then he had Kobe. Right? Like, these great co- Like, Greg Popovich had Tim Duncan until Tim Duncan's legs fell Ginobili. off. He had Ginobili Parker, and Parker. Parker. Like, so, yeah. these great co- Like, these are all what we were talking about with the Giants. These are all marriages that work. Great players get paired with great coaches, and great coaches get paired with great players. And that's that's how it works. And the guys at the top of the list, they've all had great players in their careers. So, you know, why should Steve Kerr be treated any different than those guys? I, I think Steve Kerr is as up there as, you know, anybody else. He's, I think he's, he, he's probably a top-ten coach. Let's talk about great players that – haven't quite gotten there yet with a great coach. Luka Doncic obviously packed up, sent home. Just call Jason Kidd a great coach. Well, no, I said without a great oh, coach. Oh, without, okay. yeah. There we go. Well, Jay Kidd has my respect, but he's, he's not got a legendary my respect, guy. but I, you know, I'm not ready to call him a great. Jay Kidd, great, great. It's getting t- time to stop. Oh no, was Kidd. that Steve Nash? No, no that that was, it was Jay no, Kidd. That right? was Jay Kidd. Yeah, and he nice. Got his with, the, with, the ice, with the ice trick. Was, oh, that was nice. The is, NBA caught him. Yeah. Is Luca the guy as a number one option to win a championship, and who would you pair him with to get over this Warriors hump, if you will? I mean, I don't know if you do get over the Warriors hump until the Warriors retire. Um, you know, I, I mean, they've clearly shown that. I think Luke is. I mean, I think Luke is a stud. I think the only reason that you're sitting here saying LeBron. saying can the Mavs get over the hump is because of Luca. Because uh, a lot of the guys that they have were the same guys that were on the Knicks when the Knicks could barely win games. So um, I think yeah, I, I think Luca is the dude. Uh, I think obviously you need a second scoring option to him. Um, again, you're not going to go in and beat the Warriors. And in my opinion, probably the Celtics because they have two legitimate scoring options there too, right? So um, I think they need to pair it with, with pair them with somebody else who you know. And I don't even think it necessarily needs to be a big, right? Yeah. I think it, I think it just get him another guard or a shooter, somebody that can create that. Kyrie if, Irving. When he's tired, well then they won't be playing a lot of basketball together. So, <laughs> um, you know, he's I gonna, think he would yeah. hate the state of Texas. Luke, oh, yeah. he would hate the and state Luke, of Texas. Luke and him, Luca just is about <laughs> ball, and Kyrie's about everything else. So. Um, I think that you really need to be selective in in who you pick with Luca, um, and I also wanted to touch base quick. Uh, and I know I'm probably jumping around a little bit, but the the whole conversation of the Steve Kerr greatest coach, um, I have a hard time with that because you're looking at two of arguably the best players of all time, and I think this goes for professional sports. Bill, Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells, those are some of the exceptions because of what those guys have done. Um, any of us could go fly out to California right now draw up a play within the 24-second shot clock, and I bet you that they score on it. So I know what we're saying, that this, he's had to sustain and that the injuries and this and that. Uh, you don't, in my opinion, you don't need to draw up a lot in professional basketball for Kevin Durant, for Steph Curry, for Clay Thompson. Uh, that's just my to take. I, I, might, yeah. I, I might sound 
not as smart as maybe some people on that, but that's just my opinion that when you get to a level like that, just like, you know, when Steve Nash had Kyrie, Harden, and Durant, and Blake Griffin, like, what do you draw? Like, uh, to me, that's not as much X's and O's. It's Jimmy's and Joe's. That, that's that's just my my take. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know what you guys think. Well, I got to give him credit because he literally drew out the Kevin Durant that we all knew was inside. Kevin Durant's whole persona in this league, at least coming up, was, yeah, I, I, can, I can score whenever I want to, but I don't have to have the ball all the time. If you read back some of Kevin Durant's quotes of why he left the Warriors, it's because they didn't play enough iso ball. And which is what we all knew, which is all what these top guys love to play at a certain point, but not in that Golden State. You're right. And and it's, like I said, it, I feel, you know, how I feel, but it's also fair to say, hey, when these guys are gone, what can he do? What what can these guys do in that system that aren't named Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green? Yeah, I think that's a fair I think that's a fair point. Again, we have to see what it looks like. Again, everybody saw what Pop in my opinion, Pop kinda came back down a little bit after those teams. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't know. But again, I, I don't know. I just I think I'm not knocking what Steve Kerr has done. It's hard to take I mean the guy's got he's been a six of eight, right? Like right. he's got rings. I'm not taking that away from him. I'm just saying it's always nice As when, a player, when it's players. always nice when uh, there's a last second shot, and you're like, "Hey, we're we gonna give it to Steph or Clay." That's right. All. You know, it's nice to have that option. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, going back to Luca a little bit, um, you know, the interesting comparison to Luca, and it's 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 never, and it, you hear it floated around. It's never about the the exact playing style. Um, maybe in his year, like past year sixteen and on. But he kind of he's playing a lot like LeBron for a little for a little while. At least those last couple years in Cleveland, uh, and that first year with the Lakers before you know before they got AD. He's way more polished than LeBron was at that age. You know what I'm saying? Has you know, the Luka knee. LeBron took his team to the finals at 22. LeBron was a run hill a run downhill guy, slammed the ball in your face until like what year eight or nine when he lost some weight, yeah, got a shot up. I, I think Luka's got a long way to go before we no, start. No, 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 no. But that's yeah. but I mean LeBron in terms of I, got I mean you. in I terms of saying. like what we got to the point in LeBron's career where it was you have LeBron and just get shooters around them, mm-hmm. right? It maybe you know and again like he always he always then went and joined a star. But realistically speaking, once he joined that other star, it was just get shooters. That was it. He found his formula. Can you shoot the ball? If you can't shoot the ball, you're not on this team. And I think that, you know, the Mavs may have to go to something like that. And I I don't have the advanced stats in front of me, but he created, there's like some advanced analytics about how he created shots. And he created, by, by far, was the best out of anybody the last two years in the NBA, created the most open shots, like considered wide open. And the Mavs shot 33% in the postseason this year on open threes. You just can't do that. You're an NBA player. Like, Pompelace High School can do that, and you'll pro- you're will you going to win a lot of games that way. You're not going to win a lot of games that way in the NBA. you got to shoot that 39%, 40%, and you got to have that guy that's a sharpshooter, in my opinion. And Dallas just doesn't have that. I don't think Dorian Finney-Smith is the answer. Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, Jalen Brunson, they're just not guys that are going to shoot the lights out of the gym every single night, and you need that guy... That hey, our offense stinks tonight, but you can go make five threes in a game. Like go, go find a guy like that. Mark Cuban's got connections anywhere and everywhere. Uh, he said he div- he divorced his wife before he got rid of Luca, so those two are married forever. And uh, yeah, I think he's got to get more shooters around him, more guys that can shoot the ball consistently. Just some year in uh, NBA Not wrap Nick up. Um, the All NBA team uh, list has come out, and you had mentioned Giannis has just won his fourth consecutive unanimous. All NBA, NBA first, first team. team. I believe you said he's the first player in history to do first that. First NBA player in history. I think it's LeBron, Duncan, and MJ are tied at three. 
So let's just talk. Which doesn't, I, I which just is don't like know the most how. absurd is the right. state, stat line ever. Is the state of the game so, um, how do I word this? Is the state of the game so poor, aggressive wise, that Giannis is allowed to feast on smaller competition, less defense, and just eat the paint up to the point where he's being voted four straight times unanimous all t- NBA first team? Well, he's a superstar, so he doesn't get called for as many charges as probably he would if he was not. That great at basketball, but if you're that size, you should be pretty. Good I will at the say the Celtics series, they 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 called them for some stuff. They got them. Yeah, good. but they even you know, like I'm saying, like they even missed some. Yeah. Regardless, you listen to that list, and it's just you just I think, and it's not just this era. It's obviously gone back. Well, this era definitely names, lacks defense. You talk of names like MJ. You talk. We were talking about Shaq. How Shaq's not on that list. Even Prime Dwight Howard was a beast. But this is what I'm talking like. This whole fatigue thing. About voters, and then it, but then we use these arguments to affect how we rate guys in their longevity of their career. You know what I'm saying? Like we, that's a very like fair we point. We use MVPs on how we judge guys. But LeBron well, this, should have 18. This guy won five. This guy won four. Yeah, but I mean, they each should have probably won 12 at least. Like, but it's all fatigue, and it, and I just, Giannis, I, I don't know. I think Gian, Giannis is just a freak, dude. And I know he's called the Greek freak, but he is. He's just. What do you do? I think what do he's you do? taking advantage of. It's a shooting game, right? Yeah. It's, it's four out right now. Like back in Shaq's day, everybody was in the paint. Like you, it was unheard yep. of to have four on, four outside, <laughs> right? So I think that Giannis is taking advantage of his physical attributes. He's an absolute monster down low. He knows that he'll get to the paint, and he knows that you know if he kicks it out, he'll have some guys that can knock down shots. So I think that he is absolutely taking advantage of his skill set and the way that the NBA is being played today. And I agree with you. Like you know. It, the fact I, I can't believe that that's a real stat. He's the first time ever with four in a row. Like, because you think of how many guys that come through that well, should. That you, that I, but that's but what I mean. Like still. unanimous. But like, how is LeBron? And again, uh, you know, like LeBron, or Steph, or like MJ. Like, you look at these guys. Like, how are they not unanimous four years in a row? Like, yeah. think about how many players that, that there's been. So, no, but I think I just think Giannis. I think Giannis is legit. I just think he's taking advantage of the way the game's being played. Now, if the Mavs are watching Milwaukee. That's you've got five. You have five shooters on the floor at all given times. Brooke Lopez can shoot, and Bobby Portis can shoot. They're both lethal from outside. You cannot guard the paint when you have that. And again, like that's their supporting cast that they built. But that's that's the model in terms of like now you get you just play four out basketball. Now Luca's either going to get to the paint, he's going to hit that stupid step back that he does, or he's going to kick it to a wide open player who, who hopefully will knock it down. Do you see a state of NBA, uh, NBA defense getting to the point of return to stop Giannis and stop the big man, or do you think it's here to stay, three ball? I think the, I think analytics. The, I just think it's more about scoring. I mean, yeah. like the games. I mean, it's the, more fun. the games. Yeah, and yes, it is. But I think you're going to continue to see games in like the one twenty to one to one eleven. I don't think anybody wants to step in there. Um, and and take on Giannis, I wouldn't want to, you know, especially if your job is to score, you know, like as much as I think Marcus Smart is or Pat Beverly is like a dog on defense, like they're not stepping in the lane like that. Um, You watch the old, you know, Bulls documentaries. Um, I mean, they literally crashed five guys in the paint to beat the hell out of Jordan. Uh, So, um, you know, I don't don't necessarily think defense is atrocious, but I don't necessarily think there's like an emphasis on on defense, and I think a lot of that is because, again, so you're going to pack the paint, and, I mean, these guys, it's unbelievable how some of these guys can shoot, even, like, mid-average NBA players. Like, so I just, I think that, uh, I don't think defense, with the way that the game has progressed, I don't think you'll ever 
get it back to what you saw previously. And we can also give credit to Giannis here because I think at a certain point a couple years ago, it may have been the bubble when they played the Heat, and it was, well, we've discussed, we know how to defend Giannis now. Just wall it up. And the guy could shoot now. Like, to his credit, he can shoot a respectable three. He shoots better from the free throw line. By the way, I just want to make this comment on his free throws. Can the fans stop counting? Do they like not really? Did they not learn from Brooklyn last year that like when you count, you're actually helping him get in rhythm? Like, can we as fans like stop that counting BS? If the guy's struggling at the line, let him continue to struggle. Do that. Do you see that stupid guy at the? And you're gonna hate me because this is a Celtics fan. But the stupid guy that's sitting there pointing at the Miami guy with it, with his shades on I inside, love it. he looks like an idiot. <laughs> Looks Shades absolutely inside. ridiculous. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, no, Giannis, to his credit, has developed a jump shot, so it's kind of beaten the whole like just wall up. And uh, and like I said, they've got five shooters at all times, so it makes it a little bit more difficult to be able to to run some of those schemes and help off of him. And one on one, Robbie's right. Who the hell's staying in there? Like, you don't have a lot of dogs that are going to stay. I I mean. You probably get PJ Tucker to stand in there, but he's six five guarding a guy that's yeah, I don't know seven foot. That's that about are, as that light as possible. And not not because I mean he's not only going to make you a highlight, but yeah. it's not a you you know you got to get up up and down the floor to go play some offense. You're going to be hurting after that. I, I don't see <laughs> I don't see many guys stepping in front of that grown grown man right there. Obviously, the Celtics, uh, Jalen Brown, especially erupted Game Five against the Heat. Um, he kind of diminished with uh, injuries and whatnot. Tyler Hero not available. So we will update you on that series after it wraps up, hopefully tonight. But we have some baseball to talk about. Yankees are the first team of 30 wins. One, qu- one quick note on that series. It has been absolutely dog poop atrocious. Yeah, it's been so bad. It has been awful. Game, it's going about. to game six. It's 3-2. It's a close series, and none have the none of the games have been. Yeah, it's been 40% shooting. It's been lack of it's defense. Been it's been a lot of loose balls. Tyler it's, Hero's wearing some wacky outfits while he's hurt. It, it is it is an atrocious series score wise. But go ahead, let's, let's we'll move on. We'll move on to some some better teams around the major sports worlds. The Got Yankees are that. the first team with thirty wins. Let's talk about the Yankees. We talked about them a little bit last week. Let's talk about them this week. Sadly, is the absence of Stanton? I believe Stanton's not in there. Yeah, Stanton's got ankle discomfort. I don't know. Is this showing some he, holes? Pedicure might help. Is this yeah. showing some holes in the Yankees' um, roster, if you will? They're not deep enough to carry into the postseason. Well, it's not even just it's not even just Stanton. Loisaga went on the uh, IL. Uh, Chapman's got an Achilles problem. Although it looks like Clay Holmes in the back of that bullpen is going to be ridiculous anyway. Uh, so it may not really matter if Chapman ever comes back. But, yeah, I mean, listen, we're seeing injuries pile up. We're seeing Aaron Judge continue to prove that he's just going to make, you know, $300 million next year. Um, he's <laughs> next year. <laughs> yeah, he's, I mean, he's got he's got 17 home runs. The next closest is 12, I believe. So bunch of two-run homer games. Yeah, and like, I mean, yeah, you know, the, the stat cast on his home runs show that he's not just using the little tiny porch uh, like some of his teammates are. But, you know, they are, they, you know, they are right along with the Mets. They get injured every year. They're battling. They had a little three-game losing streak earlier this week, Joel. On you would have thought it was Chicken Little and the sky was falling. You would have thought like people were dying, and it was. They they just gotta relax. They don't know heartbreak like we do as Met fans. They have no idea. But uh, yeah, the Yankees will be fine. Uh, Nasty Nestor continues to just be. Yes. He's gonna win Cy Young. I mean, the, the way he keeps going, he it's, he's gonna have a historic season if he keeps going this way. Do you think Nestor Cortez's performance puts any pressure on Cole to perform better, Rob? Sure. I think it's like we discussed last time. Like Nestor is the ace right now. 
You go into a playoff game tonight, who are you rolling out there? But if you're the one, does that hurt your confidence? If you're Garrett Cole right now, no, are I, you telling your teammate, hey, play I, I, a little worse or not? I think you got, there's two options, right? You could look at it and say, I need to pick myself up and raise to the level that they expect me to be. Or you pack it in and say, oh, this guy took my job, whatever. So um, he's a professional, and I assume that Garrett Cole's a competitor, right? So yeah. my assumption would be that he'd be like, that's supposed to be my spot. Or he could be like some pros where he's made his money and he's like, yeah, whatever, I'm the two. All Gar- right, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Nestor, go. Money. So, I mean, no, but I think Nestor, I think, I don't think there's any question if you follow the Yankees that Nestor's the one and he's been pitching tremendous since the All-Star break last year. Right, and let's be fair about this. Garrett Cole's not going to get the fair side of the dice anyway. because And we and we talked a he little bit. He would have if he got we, out of the Red Sox we game talked a, We talked year. about this a little bit last week, though. He gets paid $36 million a year. He's obviously not the ace right now. But he's pitching better. Uh, he's gotten over his little excuses, problems. I don't know, you know, how he really did that, but maybe he went on a vacation or something. But regardless, nobody's going to care. Nobody in New York gives a flying, you know what, until it comes September and October. Nobody cares until it's it's money time, and you know that's where he's going to earn his thirty-six mil a year. Is in the postseason. What can you do when it matters the most? He hasn't proven to be that for the Yankees yet, but you're right. I think he'll be fine. And like I said, he started to turn the corner. He's pitching better. Uh, he'll be he'll be all right. He'll be fine. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's got to be it's got to be wild watching your teammate go out there and just be ridiculous. Similar to the Yankees, the Mets also are going through a bit of a injury kick. Yep. Um, let's talk about them. Do you think they have enough pieces to survive the grueling June coming up? I do. Um, they're going on a brutal West Coast trip. Uh, they are playing three home games. This weekend against the Phillies, and then they will not return to City Field until June fourteenth, uh, which is a which is a Tuesday night. And about two and a half weeks from today. Yeah, yeah, about two and a half weeks from today. So it'll be a two week West Coast road trip. Uh, they are they're playing the Dodgers, the Angels. I think they play the Padres out there too, um, and then they're going to play the Brewers at some point here, and uh, it's just going to be a mess. And I, I mean a mess scheduling wise. I, listen, the Mets. The Mets have shown a lot of grit and a lot of resiliency, and they've lost, realistically speaking, they've lost three of their top four starters in the rotation. Uh, you know, you lose DeGrom, you lose Scherzer. I would say Bassett's your third, and then you lose McGill, and McGill's been out. Carrasco's been great this year. Uh, Peterson's been solid, but, you know, you had Zapucky up the other day, allows nine runs and two innings, four home runs. You have, you know, you have the collapse the other night on the miracle comeback that they have. You know, and Diaz blows the save, and you know Jock Peterson turns into Reggie Jackson, and or Jock Peterson, 2018. Well, Jock Peterson talked to Barry Bonds before a game, so I'm not going to start any speculation on the podcast. But you know, you don't know what's in his body at the time, but that's a completely different discussion. Regardless, hits three home runs, then hit another home run the next day against the Pucky. So I, I'm not here to make any official statements on the record, but it is a little suspicious. Fun fact on Jock Peterson, he was the starting wide receiver over Devontae Adams in high school, his senior year to Devontae's junior year. Just throwing it out there, Jock Peterson, good at football as well. Just throwing it out there. But yeah, Rob, do you see any? Do you see the Mets sustaining a grueling June coming up with all the injuries? Uh, I think it's tough. I mean, you got to go out to the West Coast. It's hard enough with a fully healthy lineup. Now we're down three pitchers, like Ryan mentioned, a little bit banged up. But uh, I kind of liked what I saw out of them. Um, I know they lost the series, but I really did like what I saw out of the Giants. Lindor was hot. Um, You know, he's starting to get back into form. Um, and I think we mentioned it on the pod last time when I came on. 
whenever you roll out that fifth pitcher, no matter who it is, you're just throwing caution to the wind, hoping he can hold it together. Uh, but the reality is, is that you're almost accepting that as a loss, right? Yeah. So, like, it, I know you never want to throw away a game, um, but right now that's kind of what we have to do to get ourselves to where we where we need to be. Um, so, luckily, baseball is 162 games, so um, I don't think this you know three series stretch in the West Coast is gonna define the season. I think it's gonna have some kind of implications on it later on because we'll look at this, we'll look back on this and say, you know. Damn, it would have been nice to win one one of those series yeah. and maybe take a couple of games here and there. Um, but I think they hold up. Um, it, it's about what they do when when they come back to the East Coast and they're healthy and they get guys back. They got to start making you know mid mid to end of June. They got to start making that push. I, I, they I think they have to kind of find themselves where again wherever they're at um, and and they got to kind of determine again what what that's going to look like heading into a that. sad week for the Mets. Historically, the Mets were a hundred and eighty and zero. In games they had scored twelve or more runs, that obviously gets broken. One eighty and one with the loss <laughs> of the Giants, thirteen twelve in a shootout. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe the only thing with this Zapucky start is I probably start Trevor Williams in that spot. He's he's been up with the team. I think he started three games, but again, like that's those are decisions. Bucks seeing what he has, he's doing it in May and not in July and August when it matters. Like Louis Rojas, what a. Yeah, probably, or Mickey Calloway. Yeah, that seems like an antique name at this point, too, because um, he's out of baseball completely. But, yeah, I like what I saw out of this team, and you just it's, – it's just crazy. You don't get many teams in sports that you can sit there and say, you're down six with six outs to go, and it just doesn't feel like you're out of it. And every wild comeback starts with a Francisco Lindor home run, for Lord knows whatever reason. That's why when they were down 9-2 to the Giants in Zapucky's start, thanks, pal, um, Lindor hit the home run. I think he hit it in the sixth inning, and I'm like, whoa, do we have to tune this game in now? Is there is there a chance? It's crazy, and I, I am happy that we are getting the pitchforks away for this whole Lindor thing. And I think Lindor has finally started to show that he is, this is what we paid $300 million for, not the guy that's going to hit 50 home runs and 150 RBIs. We paid for a guy that's all around going to be an all-star. And that's what he's been so far. He's been extremely valuable to this team. Uh, I think he's probably third most valuable on the team behind Alonzo and Nimmo so far. And I, I think he's been fantastic for this. I, you know me. I have not had the pitchforks out for Lindor basically ever. Our group chat is named the Lindor Fan Club. Uh, because we see a lot of hatred on Twitter about it. I've grabbed my pitchfork a couple times for the Mets this year, the yeah. door specifically. But, yeah, no, you're right. You're yeah. right. He I, makes, he make, what, he, what, what he's not doing at the plate, he's doing in the field. Yes, yeah, And I feel exactly. like every time you, I'm watching a game, he's involved in, like, two outs to get him out of an inning, right? Like, throughout the game, he's always making a play. So I think Lindor's been great. We need him. I mean, who would be our starting, starting shortstop if he weren't here? Right. right? But, like, uh, and that's who, my other thing, too, is, like, you make a great point, Robbie, is that he's doing it in other ways. We've seen superstars. What, and, and I'm talking prime Stanton, when Stanton was in a slump, what can he do? He can't run the base as well. He doesn't play the outfield well. He's more likely to end up on the IL than he is to end up in nine innings. You're hating on his outfield play. He's manageable. He's a serviceable guy He's out there. serviceable, but what we're saying but is... If you play, but Lindor can play every day. And yeah. we're saying and Stanton, Lindor, I feel, Lindor I feel like Stanton, 50. And I feel like Stanton can't... I mean, if he plays two days in a row, he needs he needs a week of rest. Like, right. And Lindor may hit a buck 50, but he's going to go play gold glove defense. He's going to turn money. twos that others can't. You know, so it's it, it's just one of those things where you don't see a lot of super... Uh, you don't see a lot of stars... That when they get cold, 
a lot of them shut down, and it affects other parts of their game. He's excelled in other parts of his game. He steals more bases when he's slumping, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, so I, I just I, I didn't understand the hate. I don't understand the hate, and I'm happy he's a Met. I don't think his hate is more tough love. We no, 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 there's some hate. You may be tough love. Yeah. There's legitimate hatred for Francisco Lindor out I there. I think he's with us I've too long. I've seen the comparison to Bobby Bonilla. Believe me. Said it, that's they were up. sitting at the same table, so... Bobby Bonilla is coming up soon. Well, don't welcome, welcome, to, welcome to New York. We're, yeah. <laughs> we're one second and we're going to the World Series and the next the world is falling. Oh. Yeah, we're talking about Bobby Bonilla. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I have seen people say, oh, he, can, he sits at the same table as Bobby Bonilla. It's absolute... Garbage, and uh, he he's gonna lead this team, and I think Yankees he's got to be. He sits right in that three spot, right right in front of Alonzo. Uh, unfortunately, Joe, we didn't talk about the injury to Jeff McNeil, uh, who has a knee contusion. It looks like he'll be okay. He'll come back soon. He's actually stayed in the game. He's do it all when guy. he got the injury. Uh, the guy has been. I mean, he's hitting. He's got to be hitting three twenty at least three thirty. Uh, it's just been absolutely ridiculous. Tyler McGill is gonna come back. Jolan, there are reports that Jacob Grom could come back at the end of June and fire me up and fire the wagons because we're going to see him the minute he comes back. Of course, you can book it. We are, we will book tickets to go. I've never seen Jacob Grom pitch in person. I haven't seen the Mets this year. I don't think I have either. Now that you yeah, say you've that, you've talked about you 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 think you're a curse. Yeah, I now, haven't seen the Mets this year. I don't know if I'm going to be going. City to closed. Games. City Field is closed, Jolan. Well, until June 14th, <laughs> it definitely there. is. His signs all the way. Up. Yeah, it's even yeah, stuff on no, the Tom Seaver. Yeah, no, Jolan. We've had success. Right I don't need to be that crucifix on our. I know, uh, but you've team. already cursed them this year. I mean... You're like, well, they have a chance to be the first 30-win team in baseball, and they haven't uh, won since. Yes, yes, I speak positive. Bad and, things happen. And you know who ended up being the first team to 30 wins? The Yankees. Yep. Thanks. Appreciate Yankees it. Yankees, Mets, World Series will blow up this whole world. That blow up this... It, I mean, it blow up the city. Yeah. Like, the city would be... I think the city's going to be so much fun. This We, we talked a little bit about it last the week. The city is a financial The city is just going to be so much fun this year in the Bronx and in Queens going to be electric. Don't go to LaGuardia Airport while baseball games are going on. You're never going to get your flight on time. Enjoy it while you can because MetLife will not be this bumping. (laughs) New York, New New Jersey, Connecticut, like the tri-state areas, it's it's begging for not only a championship, but it's begging for a team to to get to one. I mean, win one, obviously this place would go insane. But just to get to one or be in contention, like the Giants and Jets have been irrelevant for years now. Nobody looks forward to that. The Yankees have been in, you know, in the race. They haven't gotten there. Um, the Mets, they were there, but I mean, that feels like a lot. We while weren't ago. even there. Like that we got there, and it felt. We empty. were just yeah. happy to be there. Yeah, like I mean, it was like, oh, we're we're here. I mean, the Rangers are kind of on a run right now. That'd be cool. Devils haven't been relevant in no, years. Not since 2012. Um, the Knicks. Islanders were good last year. I'm not sure the Knicks could could win the G League right now. <laughs> um, and the Nets were supposed to be there and. Uh, that dynasty that lasted all of a year and a half is now over. So, dynasty I think, of none. Now, yeah. now they might let Kyrie walk, and if they let Kyrie walk, KD might be unhappy. Yeah. Uh, what a disaster. So the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area, I think, is just craving like they just want some success. I mean, the like, do you know what? Do you know what it's going to be like? The papers, the energy around here when somebody is playing in a championship. A Somebody's going to be playing in a championship, and I hope it's the team out in Queens. Yeah, me too. The last ticket tape parade I was at, 2011 for the New York Football Giants. So, There's that. There's that, and that's going to do it here for episode 61 on the podcast. So I don't know why I thought it was episode 62 leading up. This entire week I've been saying 62 in my head, yet it's 61. 62 obviously be next week. Um, and it's just, uh, Joel and we're here on Memorial Day weekend. 
Uh, it's going to be a great weekend. The Mets, you know, we hope they get some wins. I'll be there Sunday night uh, for Sunday Night Baseball, sitting in the Hyundai Club. If you hear that uh, the Hyundai Club ran out of food, you know exactly who. Uh, the culprit is on that one. But uh, it should be a fun weekend, and, you know, Monday we'll get some, uh, I'll probably get some golf in, go, you know, go have a good time on the course. Uh, highly recommend for all our listeners and everybody in this room, go see Top Gun Maverick. Fantastic film. Absolutely great. Tom Cruise. It's such a weird one. Scientology. Yeah. yeah, but if you know, also, if you know the backstory, my name, my nickname is Goose. I got that from, you know, Paul Coons called me that. That was from Top Gun. Goose dies in the first Top Gun. Sorry if you haven't seen it yet. I apologize. But he dies. Now in the second one, my son is basically living on my legacy and gets the name Rooster, which is absolutely fantastic. Great film. Go watch it. I'm going to go watch it a second time. Your son, Miles Teller, who's older than you. That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> but uh, absolutely going to cop a pair of those aviators and uh, and have a good time. So uh, that's going to do it for episode 61. Where can they find you? Where can they find me? Well, you can find me walking on the street probably somewhere. But uh, you can follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Goose on the Mic. Same handle, uh, both social medias. I want to thank Robbie for coming in. Robbie being our esteemed guest. And likely our regular guest here on the podcast, Robbie. Thanks for coming in, and uh, so remind the people be able to find you. Um, so Instagram, Rob Meyer six. Um, catch me on that. Throw me a follow. Much appreciated. Uh, but no, like I said, I, you know, I said it last week, and um, you know, this is a really cool thing you guys got going here. You guys do a great job. You're knowledgeable. Um, I appreciate you having me on. Video um, soon. You know, I, like I said, I, like I said, in pre-show, I, I didn't really expect to be back here this soon. Um, but I guess it did an all right job where you guys wanted to bring me back. And, again, it's a really cool cool thing to be a part of. And uh, looking forward to the next time and, just again, to see this thing continue to grow. I'll just wait till he gets a text message on Monday. Ask him if next Friday works. <laughs> Joel, where might the people be able to find you and or the podcast? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at GoodOldJoels. You can follow our Twitter at PodcastAirItOut and Instagram at AirItOut.Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, or compliments, or if you want to tell us the Mets rule, the Celtics rule, the Giants rule, you can always feel free to reach out and hit us on those. It just feels so wrong to have that little Boston fandom in you uh, while being a New York sports Kevin fan. Kevin Cotter, Cam Klein. It's okay. We love you. We love you. It's, it's all right. Regardless, Joel, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, until episode 62, until next week, and until the Mets find a way uh, to just keep on winning. Put in the books.